0: Section 83 of the Catholic's Ready Answer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kylie. The Catholic's Ready Answer by Rev. M. P. Hill. Section 83, Scientific Freedom. A Mistaken View. The authority claimed by the Catholic Church is an obstacle to modern scientific progress. Its attitude toward physical science operating as a clog upon individual research. The truth. Some Catholics will perhaps need to be assured on our authority that there really are persons who hold the above view with apparent sincerity. To this class of persons, scientific research and Catholic authority are as hostile to one another as fire and water. And considering how the notion has been inculcated upon them from childhood, it is not surprising that they cannot see things in any other light. If any person should come upon this little book of ours, we would ask him to examine carefully into the origin of his views on the subject. In the circles in which he moves, there is probably a traditional opinion about Catholic authority which effectually blocks out all inquiry into the real attitude of the church towards science. The very mention of authority is enough to move the disgust of this class of persons. But why this aversion to authority? Authority is an element in human life without which life would not be worth living. From the cradle to the grave, we are continually leaning upon the authority of those who know more than ourselves. And this is true not only in regard to the facts of social and private life, but also in regard to the objects of intellectual research. In the matter of science and history, the great mass of men are dependent on the authority of the specialist because he is the only one who learns things at first hand. The origin of the aversion felt to Catholic authority is not far to seek. Authority must be regarded with aversion by anyone who holds that the unaided human intellect can attain all truth and that nothing is truth but what it can attain to. But suppose there is an order of truths which cannot be reached except by divine revelation. And suppose the revelation has been made. Are not the paramount claims of such a revelation and of the authority that has it in its keeping at once manifest? You may not believe in Revelation either, as a fact or as a possibility, but there are those that do believe in it. Many of the world's brightest intellects, both in the past and in our own day, have believed in it. Men of the caliber of Cardinal Newman and Leo the Thirteenth have been wholehearted believers in Revelation. It is not our purpose here to prove either the fact or the possibility of a revelation, nor principality, even to plead for respect for an authority which is, after all, but a consequence of revelation as a fact. The point we aim to establish is that, notwithstanding the high claims of the Catholic Church, notwithstanding the fact that the Church asserts her right to pass sentence upon any so-called scientific conclusion conflicting with revelation, there is also absolutely nothing prevent a catholic from following out only line of scientific research or from drawing conclusions which are solidly supported by well ascertained facts within the legitimate domain of any science a catholic may proceed with unfettered freedom and that for the simple reason that he knows that what is revealed to him by his telescope or by his microscope cannot contradict any truth the supernatural order. Truth cannot be at variance with truth. By truth, he of course understands genuine truth, and not supposed truth. By scientific truth, he understands scientifically demonstrated truth, and not hypothesis or crude reasoning upon demonstrated truth. He is aware, of course, that facts may be discovered by the scientist whose bearing upon revealed truths may not at first be easily determined. Or he may be aware that certain half-demonstrated scientific truths or half-discovered facts may seem to be inconsistent with certain religious dogmas. But he keeps the even tenor of his way, confident that when the full truth is known, it will be found to accord with the teachings of faith. And in this, he is never disappointed. The advances made in the sciences tend to confirm rather than to discredit Catholic beliefs. Archaeological science shows an increasing tendency to corroborate the narratives of holy writ. Geology, as more than one geologist has pointed out, presents a picture of primitive life on the globe, which strikingly harmonizes with the order of creative eras exhibited in the book of Genesis. Biology and paleontology may point, with more or less certainty, to an evolution of species, but they can tell us nothing about the primeval species, nor can they say a word for or against creation. No, the Catholic man of science need not fear to enter any field of research. The solid results of his labors will be welcomed at the Vatican no less than in the laboratories and lecture rooms of Paris or Berlin. But an ounce of concrete example is oftentimes worth more than a pound of general assertion. We need not ask any of our readers if they have heard of Louis Pasteur. If we find ourselves in an assembly of distinguished scientists and made the statement that Pasteur was the greatest scientist of the 19th century, we doubt whether any one present would deny it. If deep research, brilliant discovery, and enormous practical results furnish any criterion of scientific greatness, Pasteur's title to the first place in the ranks of the scientific is well-certified. But Pasteur was a Catholic, a devout Catholic, a Catholic fearless in the profession of his faith. Moreover, he had thought out maturely the relations between science and revelation, and was convinced that although they constituted two distinct worlds of thought, they could never come into mutual collision. Truth could never contradict truth. But Pasteur is not the only Catholic scientist who has pursued the work of original research with untrammeled freedom. If the results of the free and independent study of nature made by Catholic men of science were subtracted from the present sum total of scientific knowledge, science would be thrown back at least a century. See science and faith. Objection. But as a matter of fact, Catholic men of science have been condemned by the Church for scientific conclusions, which everyone admits and must admit today. Witness the case of Galileo. Answer. If there is anything that shows poverty of resource in our critics, is their repeated citation of the case of Galileo. This is their one venerable weapon, which they keep ready for instant use in the case the intolerance of the Church should come upon the tapis. Even though the worst possible case were made out against the Roman tribunal concerned, is it not absurd to go back three centuries for evidence that will tell against the present mind and spirit of the church? Or why revert to a period when not only the Catholic Church, but also the Protestant authorities were naturally and justly suspicious of novelties in science, which had points of contact with religion? Or again, why make so much of the condemnation by a body of cardinals of propositions that were not really demonstrated, a condemnation that was afterward cancelled when the demonstration was forthcoming? The theory, for then it was only a theory, of the Earth's revolution about the Sun, did not really admit of a demonstration at a time when astronomical science was in so crude a state. Had it been strictly demonstrated, Galileo would have met with different treatment at the hands of the cardinals. Not that the congregation of the Holy Office had any direct concern with any such question of physical science, but the question seemed to have a biblical bearings. To make the sun the immovable center around which the earth revolved seemed to contradict the obvious and generally received interpretation of certain passages in Holy Writ. As, for instance, when Josue is narrated to have stopped the sun in its course, or where the Psalms speak of the sun as rising in the east and going down in the west, and the fathers of the holy office were in duty bound to take cognizance of any such novelties of interpretation. If any such case arose today, the issue would be different. Catholic theologians are agreed that where physical science has clearly demonstrated the nature or the cause of purely natural phenomena, mentioned in the Bible, the interpreters of the Bible cannot ignore any such demonstration any more than they can ignore the science of philology in interpreting the words of a text or in determining the structure of a sentence. Did theologians of Galileo's day hold a different view? There's nothing to prove that they did, and there is no little reason for thinking that they did not. The truth is that it was only then that science was beginning to cast doubts upon opinions that had been held for centuries the reader will find it instructive to learn the views of a distinguished contemporary of galileo a leader among theologians and the most trusted adviser of the pope to wit cardinal bellarmine the cardinal defined his attitude toward copernicanism in terms that prove him to have been as modern in his spirit as can well be desired in a letter to Foscarini, a carmelite friar and an ally of galileos at a time when the galileo question was well to the fore he expresses himself in the following words quote if it were solidly demonstrated that the sun was in the center of the world and the earth in the third heaven and that it is not the sun that revolves about the earth but the earth that revolves around the sun then we should have to behave with much circumspection in explaining those passages of scripture which seem to say the contrary and rather acknowledge that we do not understand those passages than assert that a thing can be false which is demonstrated to be true end quote if he added the following words quote but i will not believe there is any such demonstration until it is shown to me end quote he said what would have won the applause of a Huxley or Tyndall. And the same pair of modern scientists would have deemed perfectly reasonable the position explained in further remarks of the Cardinal. Quote, It is not by any means one and the same thing to show that on the supposition of the motionless position of the sun in the center and the movement of the earth through space, the actual phenomena are better explained, and to show that as a fact the sun is in the center and the earth moves through space. End quote. In other words, a hypothesis is not necessarily proven to be the correct one because it gives a better explanation of certain facts. The Cardinal then did not consider the theory demonstrated, but it is important for us to have learned what so influential a member of the Roman court thought should be the attitude of the Church in any case any such theory were demonstrated. But there was another aspect of the Galileo controversy which must not be left out of sight. The new system had arrayed against it the bulk of scientific opinion, as scientific opinion stood at that date. It was not simply a case of science versus theology. It was no less a case of science versus science, or at least scientists versus scientists. Galileo's chief opponents were eminent scientists, who themselves, animated by the true spirit, of modern discovery had made valuable contributions to scientific knowledge. Amongst others, Schneier, one of the discoverers of the spots on the sun, Clavis, surnamed the Euclid of his age, the astronomer Magini Greenberger, and even the English philosopher Francis Bacon, who was so much landed at a later period as the father of modern science. Bacon regarded the Copernican system as a convenient mathematical fiction Descript globe int c6. Science itself, therefore, rejected the new system as not having produced its credentials. Were the cardinals of the Holy Office expected to be in advance of the science of their day? Objection. In one respect, the Catholic scientist must feel not a little hampered. He is much restricted in the forming of hypotheses which have so often opened a path to scientific truth. Any hypothesis that excludes creation must at once be rejected by the Catholic investigator. Answer. We are dealing with the physical sciences. Now, which of the physical sciences, as such, need be concerned about whether things were created or not? What have they to do with questions touching creation? Creation, the spiritually and the immortality of the soul and other such questions are quite beyond the limits of observation and experiment, which are the instruments of the physical sciences. When the physicist finds himself speculating on these subjects, he should remember that he is essaying the role of the philosopher in the highest sense of the term. Unfortunately, when scientists of the stamp of Heichel began to philosophize, they abandoned the impartial and unemotional temper which we have been taught to regard as a characteristic of the scientific mind, and then it is that they hazard statements about God, creation, or the human soul, which have no foothold in any science known to them. As to rational philosophy, as distinguished from natural philosophy or natural science, that is a region in which hypotheses, especially working hypotheses, can hardly have any scope. But here too the same law will hold. To wit, that if the truth of a proposition is demonstrated, it cannot conflict with revealed truth. But who will presume to say that any system of philosophy has demonstrated the impossibility of creation, or of the immortality of the human soul? Let any Catholic scientist, therefore, come to the Vatican with a demonstration of any scientific truth, and his demonstration will be honored as Copernicanism was finally honored when its claims were established. End of chapter 83, recorded by Kylie.